exploring the faith, life, and sport of Christians in sport. This is FLS. Here's your host, Brea Burrell. Hello and welcome to this episode of the FLS podcast, where today we'll be diving into the pool and catching up with former Olympic swimmer Dan Smith from Australia as we hear his story of swimming from a young age, finding faith through drug rehabilitation, and what he's doing now post-retirement to help others. Welcome to the FLS podcast, to Dan Smith. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, opportunity I can get to get the story out there, um, I'll jump at it. So thank you very much for um, having me. Now, not a problem. Now, lots to talk with you uh, in this episode, but first of all, Growing up in New South Wales, um, can you share about, I suppose, how you got into swimming? And I believe you did that at, at quite a young age. Sure did. Um, I was born in Sydney um, or New South Wales, um, Borkham Hills, and my family took the leap of faith, I guess, or the risk factor of moving to the Gold Coast when I was six months old. Um, so believe it or not, still go for the Blues. Um, was born and raised there, so still go for the Blues, but... but you know, my life, my parents had an um, outdoor marine dealership, so they thought it would be a really good reason to um, help me learn to swim and, you know, living on the sunny Gold Coast. And um, that I did when I was five years old. They had me in swimming lessons. And I've always just, I, I was just born with this real natural gift and ability for the water. Um, it's like, it's like none, it's like none, no other, really. It's like, it's, it's, it's like something that you are naturally just born with. Like I didn't search out trying to be a swimmer. I just was a swimmer. Um, and that's what I was from a young age. You know, I was, I was labeled as literally one of the greatest swimmers of all time coming through the ranks. But, you know, my technical ability had this thing in um, swimming terms called um, cheat travel. And um, that's like, it's like, it's almost like effortless swimming. It's like my connection with the water um, really set me up to, um, really be a really phenomenal swimmer and I was I was just really lucky I was just born with this real natural talent and ability for the water um lots more I want to talk to you about uh with swimming but I suppose a bit more of your background you said growing up in New South Wales great to know that you still go for New South Wales when it comes to state of origin time despite uh well, not despite but now that you do live <laughs> live there in Queensland but tell us a bit more I suppose about your family mum and dad um any brothers or sisters and I suppose the, the Smith family. Yeah, so we are the Smith family. Um, I have a very simple name, Dan Smith, and my. Um, so you know they say my parents mustn't have thought too hard trying to name me. Um, so we are the Smith family, and I have a younger sister who's about two years younger than me. I'm now 31 years old, and uh, my parent. My we've always had a really tight family dynamic. Um, and you know my parents do what most parents do is they do whatever they can to give their children best chance at whatever they want to do and um that's what my parents did um and and that's really what we went for at a young age you know my parent my family was very committed to my swimming career a little bit too much at times but you know they were very very committed to my swim swimming career and i really need you really need that if you want to go to high levels of sport so you said starting swimming when you were five obviously progressing then through to your teenage years um Obviously, lots of training. How was that for you? Like, was it like we hear about early morning starts? And, and how many times a week, I suppose, were you, you training? 
Yeah, so moral of the story is like any majority of swimmers are, are really applied like a blanket approach and it's pretty much flog 100, get one good swimmer. Um, so that's pretty much how it works. I was very um, overworked at a very young age um, because I had great signs of talent and um, I was fortunate enough to train alongside some of the greatest swimmers of all time, like Gian Rooney, Michael Klim, Grant Hackett. I even saw Michael Phelps and Grant Hackett go head to head in my own training pool from a young age. So, you know, I saw what it took to be the fastest person in the world. Um, that's what I wanted to do. That's what my club um, foundation was, was a club of building champions. Um, and that, and that's, that's the club I was in. I was swimming up to, you know, 11 years old. I was doing 50, 60 kilometers a week, training eight sessions a week, doing two gym. And um, to say I was overworked from a young age was an understatement, but I was always super motivated, always um, was willing to push myself to limits in training. And um, that's what I did from a really, really young age. Now, we love in this podcast to hear about our guest Faith. And I believe it was, I suppose, was it more when you were a teenager through, um, and if it's okay for sharing, you were in drug rehabilitation is that when you came to faith and can you share with us please more about that part of your life yeah i certainly can you know the, the problem with with sport was um you live in this delusional world that you know you're never good enough um you always need more you're always thinking about the next race how to be better faster stronger fitter and then better than anyone else that's that's how you think you know all your mindset your team around you everyone around you is invested into you as a swimmer. Um, and so as you start to find out, as your mind and your body starts to mature, it's it's empty. Um, it doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't give you a sense of fulfillment or satisfaction or even connection with others because your whole life is revolved around sports. So, you know, you grow up in this kind of delusional world where I was a really great swimmer, but poor person. I didn't actually know how to actually become a of character and um, resilience and and that kind of stuff that actually sets you up to have a really healthy life. So when I was 18 years old or 17 years old, actually, and it was my time to shine, which was the 2008 Beijing Olympics, I was the most emptiest I've ever felt in my life. Um, I, I, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't have any sense of fulfillment or satisfaction from swimming. So when I stood up on the blocks, um, you know, I ended up bombing out in the final and, and got eighth place and missed my Olympic Olympic dream at 17 years old. And as you do, you try and clean up clean up your life and get back into the pool. But it was different for me now. Um, I started to get lured into a um, a crowd crowd outside of swimming tra- swimming that was um, up to no good, um, drugs and alcohol, money, power, and that kind of gave me a sense of escape from my swimming fame and um that's where i got um introduced to drugs and alcohol and um before i knew it um i was going down a really really dark road where i actually gave the sport away at 18 years old and um believe it or not i actually ended up getting addicted to um ice and heroin um very hard to believe now um but it from 18 to 22 years old i i battled really really hard with a lack of identity a lack of purpose, a lack of love and a lack of connection with others. And 
that that was to me i was i used my same swimming dedication in the drug world and and that's what i did for about four really really dark years and i believe as well for for part of that time uh from what i read you're also homeless is was that correct too or living on the yeah, streets and, that, and that's like yeah i definitely was and that's that wasn't because my family didn't love me mm. um my family were literally told by professionals that your son is too far gone um we can't help him we actually don't know what to do. I'd had seven, eight attempts at rehab and no matter what I tried, I'd never actually heard a success story of anyone getting out of the drug and alcohol scene. And to make it even worse, like less than 1% actually make it out of there and live an absent life. So to me, there was no hope. Um, to me, I was living this dysfunctional life that um, I didn't know how to get out on, get out of and my family had to actually outcast me out of home because I was violent. I was um, dysfunctional. I caused them a lot of pain, havoc, caused the community a lot of pain and havoc. So the best thing to do at that time was to exit, ex unfortunately, exit me out of home. Thank you so much for sharing about that, Dan. Uh, can I ask you then, how did faith come into your life? Was it through one of these drug rehab programs? Yeah, it was. Like I actually was fortunate enough to get recommended to a Christian rehab center and I actually met someone for the first time which was an actually an ex-bikey he was now a christian bikey and he was being clean for 17 years and um, i actually had an intervention with him and he actually told me the first words that no professional psychologist or no professional in the drug and alcohol industry ever told me and he literally said to me he said we can help you bro and um that was the first time that i've ever been told that and he saw something in me that no one has actually ever seen before and um, he said, look, I've been clean for 17 years. I've got a rehabilitation um, program that restores people's lives. We can help you, bro. And here I am, um, 68 kilos, um, full ice and heroin addict, um, didn't know who I was, had literally destroyed every part of my life. Like I had no one left in my life. And here I go at 22 years old off to um, a Christian drug and alcohol rehab um, and not actually knowing what was actually before me. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a very, very big, but powerful moment for me in my life. And is he someone who's, uh, this, this guy that you met, is he still part of your life? Do you still catch up with him, uh, to this day? He sure is. I actually work for him now. So <laughs> he's very, 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 um, big part of my life, but you know, I, I went to rehab and, and believe it or not, like I've gone to a Christian rehab and um, they were very, very full on to say the least. Like we were doing Bible study every day. Um, we would go to chapel on Tuesdays. We had our own chapel service inside of our program that the pastors and people from the public would come to. And then on Sundays, we go to church um, twice on Sundays. Um, so we were very, very, I've come from this upbringing. Well, not even an upbringing, but a life of anti-God and mm. living against him. To, to now considering a different kind of lifestyle. And, um, you know, I never, ever seen a life change. And, you know, the program that I was in was evident of the miracle working power of God. Um, and that's what I would see. I would literally see lives changing in front of my face um, that was like so inspirational and so thought provoking to actually consider the fact that there actually is um, something more to life than what I was living and so I actually had a jail sentence hanging over my head that was two and a half years. And um, I was actually being let off so many times that the court system had given me so many chances. And this time it was it. Um, I was on my 
last chance. If not, I was going to jail. And believe it or not, about six weeks into the program, I had my court sentencing date. And um, my brothers in the house were in a males-only rehab. They, before I went to court, they said, can we pray for you, bro? And I was like, look, like I'll take whatever I can get, um, you know, as you do. And they put their hands on me and they, they prayed for me and I felt nothing. I didn't see anything. Um, and I went to court and my lawyer pulled me aside as I've walked into the, uh, walked into the courtroom. And he said, he said to me, he said, Dan, two and a half years jail is a good sentence today. Like that was a good sentence. And so I was like, in my head, I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, um, like, what do you mean? Like that's, um, that's a big thing, right? Um, that's a big thing to go to jail. Like I'm starting to experience a clean life. And so my fr- as I've gone into the courtroom, I didn't know that I could have my own personal relationship with the God of the universe. I didn't know that. And I literally said in my head, I said, God, if you're real, I want one more chance of my life. I promise I won't let you down. And that's, that's a big statement to yeah. make, you know, it, given the place I was in. And as I go, I walk into the courtroom and the computer's on my roll. Um, all the QP9s, the statements, everything that I'd done. And as that was happening, I was a full hard criminal like i generally still wanted to be a bad person like i generally still wanted to do things and as as that was happening i had this presence come over me in the courtroom and all the hair on my skin started to stand up um tears for the first time in so long started to stream out of my eyes and it was the first time in my whole life that i'd felt any remorse sympathy or empathy or even like hatred for my sin um, I couldn't believe the person I used to be. And, and this is the thing with God's love. Like he literally looked at me in the midst of my weakness, my disappointment, my poor decision-making, the sinful and disgraceful life I was living. And he looked at me in righteousness and actually looked at me with the eyes of love. And for the first time in my life in a courtroom, I encountered the message of the gospel. Um, the redemptive power of Jesus Christ met me in a courtroom. And I, mercy woke me up with the fact that I got what I didn't deserve, which was his love. And I was crying my eyes out. Um, I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, I obviously didn't have that level of articulation at that point of time. But as, as it was going on, long story short, the court case went on and the judge started reading out two, two months jail for this, three months jail for that, four months jail for this. And believe it or not, it all added up to two and a half years. And I was like, I'm gone. And the judge said to me, I'm going to suspend you today, Mr. Smith, and I never want to see you again. And the judge let me off. Wow. Um, and whether you believe in mir- whether anyone believes in miracles or not, like it's, it was a miracle. Like I, I can't explain the reason why I went off and got let off. And I went back to rehab and normally go on the run. And then I started to learn about the Bible. Um, I started to learn about the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And there's hope for me and hope for everyone and um, learned about who I was away from swimming. And I ended up spending about seven months in rehab and my life was completely restored. FLS is supported by mission partner, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. FCA's vision is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. FCA is for those involved with sport at all levels, ages and abilities to the elite standard. Contact FLS to find out ways that you can be engaged, equipped and empowered to live for Jesus and outreach in your sporting world. 
Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the heart and soul of sport. For more details, head to faithlifesport.com. Well, it's half time on the FLS podcast, and my guest today is former Olympic swimmer from Australia, Dan Smith. And what we love to do at half time is to ask our guests a whole bunch of fun, quick questions. So, Dan, here we go. Your first question What's your favourite pool that you've swum in? Miami Gold Coast, yeah. Um, what's your go to TV series to watch? Don't watch TV. Okay. What was your after swim snack? Pasta. Other than swimming, any other sports that you were you were good at? Surfing. Uh-huh. You still surf up on there on the yeah. Gold Coast? Not as much since being a married man, yeah. but I used to. Your favourite subject when you're at school? Maths. I'm coming over for dinner at your place. What are you cooking? Steak. How do you have it? Medium rare. Mm-hmm. Been learning new steak methods at the moment, so love trying. And uh, finally, your most, uh, your favourite movie? I, I couldn't say. No? Couldn't say. That's okay. Nah, nothing really comes to mind. No worries. I'm quite boring in the movie department. I always fall asleep, so <laughs> sorry about that. Well, that wraps up halftime on today's episode of the FLS podcast. My guest is former Olympic swimmer from Australia, Dan Smith. And it's time to get back out on the field for today's second half. Well, as we pick up our conversation, Dan, uh, post those seven months that you did have in rehab, was that when you got back and resumed your swimming career, you got back into the pool. I believe you narrowly missed out on making the squad for the Glasgow Commonwealth Games in 2014, but you were then on the plane to Rio for the 2016 Olympic Games. Yeah, my career, um, I I got back in the pool and um, I tried to do things as different as I could, but as you know, you know sport isn't something that you can do um, on the side. It costs you your life, really, sport, um, if you want to be high a level. And um, I went in there as, I guess, a super Christian. Um, you know, I had the God on my side and went into sport. And, um, yeah, like I was able to achieve some really phenomenal things. But um, most importantly, I was awakened to the actual reality of the gospel and um, that we serve a crucified Savior um, and that my life actually – God actually had a different purpose for me in swimming. Um, I thought it was to win at the time, and a lot of people around me thought it was to win, but it was actually to free me from swimming and to heal me within. And um, my, I've had, I've experienced like such great heights of sport, but you know, God has given me so much more than sport will ever give me, and I actually call it the greatest gold medal I never had to win, um, which is His redemptive love and really peace. You know, just having peace within, like I feel so deeply satisfied from what he's done in me that no swimming result or no famous person I've ever come across or hung out with will ever be able to give me. Like I genuinely feel so deeply fulfilled and satisfied from the finished work of the cross. Um, do you still swim? If I can ask to this, like obviously retired now, but do you, do you do you swim still or just more for pleasure? Do you do it these days? Oh, it's always been a little bit bittersweet. Um, You know, like I retired when COVID hit um, in 2020. I can't even remember when COVID was, probably three (laughs) years ago now. Yeah, it's true. Feels like a big, big bad dream. Um, But, you know, I retired when COVID hit, which was um, a big thing to walk away from sport at 28 years old. 
Um, but I hung up the togs for good. This time I was done. Um, I gave it everything that I had. Did I achieve what my dream, what I wanted to achieve? 100% no. Does it play on my mind sometimes? And is it hard to like work through life outside of sport? It 100% is. But at the end of the day, like my identity, I actually have an identity away from sport. And that is the greatest gift that I ever got out of sport was actually being able to be a person. I don't have to work myself out or prove myself to be lovable and that is the biggest thing that sport actually gave me and can you share as well i suppose just going back briefly to to your swimming career but representing australia um you know on the overseas stage and more so at those rio games can you share i suppose more about representing us as a nation as well yeah it was a big thing um i don't think you're you're not prepared for it on your first time um, and maybe not even on your second, um, because if you think about it, you know, you spend 20 years of your life for one moment and you have one shot and you better make it a good one because if you miss out, you're probably never going to get it again. And that's the reality of it. So, you know, you go to sport and you're training and you're training 70 kilometers a week, um, two, two, three gym sessions a week. So, you know, you go to Olympics with, a lot of pressure on you when it should be time to enjoy all the hard work that you've done. Mm. Um, that's hindsight. Um, but you know, I went to Olympics with probably a lot more pressure on myself and naturally you have more pressure on you because everyone's got this expectation on you to do something. Um, so Olympics for me was very, an eye opening experience, but it was also a very life changing experience to realize like, what, do, what do I want for my life? And, um, you know, I was able to do some really phenomenal things at the Olympics. Like I was able to see Usain Bolt's last race ever. I was able to meet Michael Phelps. Like I had personal friends of mine that I was able to see his last race ever in live in live in history. I saw Usain Bolt win. Um, I saw BMX every sport. I had unlimited McDonald's in the village after <laughs> our races. You know, I was able to do some really really phenomenal things, but um, it still never never satisfies you within now shortly dan i want to find out what you're doing today post swimming and a question that came to me and and going back to your younger days and when you were more focused on your swimming and and more advice for kids who are focused on their sport and sharing through with your faith that there's more out there as well am am i making sense yeah there definitely is i think like you know there's a lot Times are a lot tougher and they're getting a lot tougher for young kids. You know, there's a lot more um, mental health awareness now. There's a lot more labels for kids to put on. Um, And so if you're a young kid trying to make it, um, and then there's a lot of added pressure from parents as well, because unfortunately parents are more often than not, not an absolute, but more often than not living their lives out through their kids. Mm. Um, And so kids have, kids are going to training or getting coached and they um, like have a lot of pressure, a lot of um, like being pushed really hard from their coach. Cause you need that. You're never going to be good if you don't work hard, but then you come home and you're also getting it from home. Like everything's always about your sport, what you're doing, what you're doing. That's pretty much the biggest recipe for failure. Though it might get your temporary success. Um, so for me, 
um, I was pushed too hard too young. If I was pushed to the level I was at, say, 10 to 13, when I was 16 to 18 and actually nurtured and loved a lot when I was younger, I would have had a lot healthier foundation to handle the pressure of actual pressure when I was older of external stuff like school and drugs and alcohol, and then also the pressure of sport. Um, and that's a really, really hard thing to balance. And I think you can really only get that through trial and error and um, being teachable um, to actually realize if you're pushing the boundaries too far either side. Now, moving forward, Dan, you retired back in 2020. Can we ask what Dan Smith is doing now? Is there still some involvement in the pool with swimming? And you mentioned earlier about working now with the guy who helped you back in rehab. Uh, what are you up to these days? Yeah, so so do do a do a um, bit of things. I've been recently married since retiring from sports, so that's been a, a new challenge. Um, but also a lot of personal growth and um, a lot of meaning um, in my life. Um, and then we currently I'm running the Gold a Gold Coast Drug and Alcohol Rehab here. When we have about twenty residents, ten girls. 10 guys and have a team under me. Um, so that's been a very, very um, new experience um, to give back everything that I've learned. And then my wife and I also have a couple of online businesses. We're into social media marketing. She's an accountant. Um, and then we're into a bit of film. Um, so yeah, like got many things that we are doing, um, but there's nothing more satisfying than being able to preach the message of the gospel. And um, that to me is really where I want my, where I believe my future is going to go. And that probably excites me the most than anything in my whole life. Well, Dan Smith, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the FLS podcast. A reminder, if there's anyone in your part of the world you love us to chat with, please let me know. And to hear more interviews just like this, all the details can be found at our website, faithlifesport.com. And don't forget as well to rate, subscribe and review this podcast and I'll catch you next time. We're back out on the field together in the next episode of the FLS podcast.